and a very good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Palace fans from around the globe. Welcome to another edition of the Red and Blue Review. My name is Ian Noble and I'll be hosting for the second week running because Nick Fulcott is still on his holidays. He promised me he would be back by tonight, but he's not. And with me this evening, as you'll see on screen, I have uh, we've gone for squad rotation tonight for the Red and Blue Review team. A uh, complete change of lineup from last week. So in the place of Ian Lyons, we have uh, Mr. Tim Richards. Good evening, Tim. Evening, Ian. Evening, everyone. And uh, replacing Jill Holyoke, we have, uh, for the first time this season, Mittal Patel. Good, good evening, Mittal. Evening, all. And um, replacing uh, Lucy, uh, we have Teresa. Love it. Teresa, good evening. Oh, we can't hear you, darling. <laughs> oh. All that rehearsal we did for the last half an hour. <laughs> anyway, Teresa's with us. Teresa is with us. She's on mute. Yeah, I'm not now. Oh, Sorry. you're not on mute. Well done. <laughs> Welcome, darling. All right. How are you? Thank you. I'm all right. Good, good, good. Excellent. Good stuff. We have lots of people joining us on the chat tonight. Teresa, and we didn't do this beforehand, but could you sort of be in charge of the chat tonight if we would come to you and just bring some yeah. comments up from people? Is that okay? Yeah, no problem at all. Brilliant. Excellent. Good stuff. OK, well, of course, we're going to be talking about the Villa victory. The three points, the three goals at the 3 p.m. kickoff at Sellers Park yesterday afternoon. What a marvellous uh, occasion it was for everyone inside the stadium. Uh, for those watching it on streams and things and watching the highlights afterwards, equally excited, I'm sure. Um, we were hoping to have a special guest with us this evening as well, um, Kevin Moore. And Kevin is a Hartlepool supporter, and you'll know about the association between the two clubs from last year's FA Cup fourth round tie. Um, and Kevin has organised a charity match between Hartlepool and Palace fans next Sunday. So we were hoping to talk to him, but he's having difficulty getting on at the moment. So uh, maybe we'll come to him a little bit later on. And this is Kevin's Facebook page, Never Say Die, um, Hartlepool. Um, you know, those of us that remember Palace back in the 70s, not quite as bad as Hartlepool now, I hasten to add. Uh, they're third from bottom of League Two, so we wish them good the season. And um, of course, um, they played. Uh, they played at the weekend. Of course, they lost at home to uh, Bradford City, and it was our very own Scott Banks that opened the scoring for the visitors um, against Hartlepool. So we're going to get straight on to the game, I think, because um, we've got lots of people joining us in the chat. Do you want to, to say a few hellos, Teresa, before we uh, before we get the, the lineup <laughs> up? So uh, who's who's joining us tonight? Uh, Paul Bristow's made it back to Plymouth. Evening, Paul. Um, he's uh, Paul McNamara, Obi, Tom Clark, Andrew Adams. He says, Tim, smile. You're not Elise. Uh, Mark Wills, Neil Chatterjee, Rob Pranfield, Kathy Thompson, Brad Kompaniak, Andy Stacey, Andy Adams, Stephen Isles, so far. Thank you. And Brad, um, enjoyable day. Left home at 9am from Norwich on the train. Could only uh, get the 22.30 coach back home at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's dedication for you, mate. Well done for making that effort to see the Mighty Eagles win yesterday afternoon. So, uh, producer guy, Nige, um, can we have the teams up from uh, yesterday, please, mate? Or the Palace team, at least, the starting lineup. And uh, we'll go through the starting lineup. Here we go. So, Goethe in goal, Ward, uh, Gahey. Correct pronunciation, Gahey, um, Anderson, Mitchell, Eze, Ducure, Schlupp, Ayu, your favourite player, Mitchell, uh, Edward <coughs> and Zaha um, were the starting him. When we saw the starting eleven outside the pub at 2pm, we thought, you know, pretty unremarkable, pretty unremarkable starting eleven. So, uh, Mitchell, you were in the Arthur way, as you, you always are. Um, talk us through that first half, first 10 minutes, first of all. Um, well, we actually got there a little bit late. So we got there about six minutes or seven minutes in. So uh, I actually missed Watkins. But as we were walking in and I saw we were 1-0 down, uh, step up the goat. By the time I got my seat, we're level. So uh, sun was shining. The, the stadium was full. Uh, it was just carnival football. So, cage football on the big stage. That's Crystal Palace. Lovely cage, football. Cage football. Great ball players. Exciting. Um, did everything right. And just final third action is all we need. So, I left happy, happy, happy. 
So you're not putting it down to yourself turning up to that there's a reason Wilf equalised on seven minutes, no? No, that, that's all down to the goat himself. He does everything himself. Nothing from me. So what about the goal then? Ed, talk us through the goal, first of all. Our, our first goal, Wilf's goal. Um, just so, I mean, I think I've seen it in training uh, where he's just basically, they've worked on finishing, finishing, finishing. And to be honest, he's clinical. He said it in his last two interviews uh, that basically he's trying to get the shot off when the keeper isn't isn't set. Did it against Liverpool and he did it against Alisson, who is impossible to beat one-on-one. That's why Van Dijk stepped off him, because he trusted Alisson. But no, the goat steps up and he bangs it away before he'd even set his foot, which is why he couldn't get near it. Did exactly the same yesterday. Has all the time in the world. People like Sterling and IU, they'd just fall down. But him, clinical, clinical. I love the way you put um, Sterling and IU in the same bracket there as being unable to replicate what Wilf can do. But yeah, okay, get your point. Um, Teresa, you were in the ground as well. Um, yeah. What, what was your reaction? Certainly when we went one nil down, you thought, oh no, here we go. This is going to be a, a bad day at the office. Or, or did you think it's just a blip? I just thought it was a blip. Actually, having watched the team this season so far, all three games, it's not like when we were playing before where we'd, like, we'd concede a goal and we'd think, all oh, right, that's it. Here comes, we're going to get absolutely battered. There's a confidence around the ground. There's a confidence with the players. And it's almost as if, like, OK, we've got to go down. Watkins has wound Wilf up. That's it, we'll go up and score. Yeah, OK. Um, because Watkins celebrated in front of the homes down. Are you sitting in the homes down? Yeah. You know, it's no good upsetting the locals when you... Uh, when you go in front uh, of the visiting ground, is it really? Backside, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it did. Yeah, yeah, good. What about you, Tim? You know, you've watched the game back. You know, uh, thoughts about those first ten minutes? Yeah, it, was, um, it kind of reminded me. We are the Paddy, the Baddy, Pimblet, where his name is from UFC. Where <laughs> it's almost like we need to get a smack in the face before we suddenly go. All right, we're here for a reason. Let's perform. Um, and it seems a bit like that. But the one thing I was or I noticed that that really struck me was a bit like the Liverpool goal and a bit like Will's first goal um, yesterday. Where did it come from? An opposition attack. Keeper gets the ball. And it's not just the finish, which is world-class. And if it was any, if it was De Bruyne or somewhere like that, we still be on, on Sky Sport because it's Palace. Don't bother. But it wasn't just the finish. It's the approach play. It's the, it's the accuracy it's to not faffing around. It's boom, boom, boom. And when you've got that quality of player that's playing at that level, there aren't going to be many teams that can touch it or stop that final result. That Absolutely. was Edward's little flick on, wasn't it, for Will for the first yeah. game, for the first goal? And Eze, the calmness to just drop a shoulder, lose two of them Liverpool players and play the right ball at the right time, at the right speed. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely, Mattel. Um, we, we, we we can eulogise about that Liverpool goal all night, but we're talking about the Villa game, mate. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, he's, so, got enough to, he's got enough in the Villa game to eulogise about, too. Yeah. What do we think about Edouard then, early doors? You know, did he, did he do all right in that first half? Yeah, I just, I'm unconvinced. Uh, I just think Mateta puts his body about and defenders actually know... They've got someone there, whereas Edouard is just more tricky feet. But I'm just not convinced yet. But he tries. So, you know, I, yeah, but... I can't decide between Mateta and Odson on who should be a striker. OK, OK. Tim? But then, I know, jumping ahead, but where did the penalty come from? It came from a delicious touch from Eduardo and a lovely cross. The goal that was disallowed. The touch he had for that, the way he found the pass in the penalty area, mm. that's world class. You know, he just needs he needs a goal. I think once Maybe he needs more belief in himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he got the assist for Will's goal. That's that's the first thing we need to say about Edward. And Tim, you started talking about the, the the goal that was disallowed. So Tim, talk talk us through that goal that was disallowed and, and what your thoughts were about the final decision. Well, I'll, I'll jump ahead to the final decision first because I think what summed it up for being a ridiculous decision 
was in the uh, post-match interview that the Sky Chat did with um, with Vieira. You know, he's an impartial commentator or interviewer, and he was saying, he said, it's ruining the game. He was saying that wasn't offside. I mean, there's got to, he said, there's got to be common sense. I mean, that was literally line. There's no way that was offside in the spirit of the game. So I think for now, the fact that commentators and interviewers are saying it, I think just shows what a ridiculous decision it was. Um, it was, again, it was to hear commentators eulogising about Palace and the way they're playing. I can't remember the last time we've heard that in repeated games. And they were saying it the whole game. It was one touch, neat, intricate, deliberate, um, world-class football. And that's where that goal that wasn't a goal came from. I mean, it was, again, any other, you know, one of the top six clubs doing that. I mean, oh, look at the play here that, you know. But, again, we all sure. know that. Yeah. And it was, I think it was Jonathan Pierce on the BBC that, that led that question to Vieira saying, you know, it, it, come on, it's, he's level and he's level all day. Nice. Can we get that back, that, that graphic, please? Um, because you're right, people are putting in the chat here and we agree with you totally. Paul Blanc's never a pen, uh, never offside. Yeah. This is not offside. How no, no. someone in Stockley Park can sit there and say, draw the lines there and say, this is offside. They're, they're clearly wrong. It's level all day. Um, yeah, on match of the day, they had a debate about it, you know, shoulders, T-shirt, lines, <laughs> and all the rest of it. Um, but that's the rule at the moment, whether the rule should change that's is another not thing. in the spirit of the game. Yeah, I, I think I think we'd have all been happier if this goal had stood and the penalty in the second half hadn't been given. But luck evens itself out over the course of a season and often over the course of 90 minutes. And we'll come to the penalty in a little while. But... Very disappointed to see that goal ruled out. And in the ground, it was crazy, wasn't it? Because the players had gone back to the centre circle. Mm. They were lined up to kick off. And then suddenly you heard that music. And you thought, oh, here we go. And it came up on the screen. And you just knew what was going to happen. As soon as that happened, you knew that it was going to be ruled out. And it took a, a ridiculous amount of time for them to drag the play back to, uh, to, for a kick for uh, Aston Villa. Teresa. Uh I completely agree with all your comments about VAR. I was watching Match of the Day last night. One of the commentators was saying that they should draw the lines from where the feet are. Mm. Um, but that's not the rule. That's not the rule. Maybe they should change that rule. Yeah, also, absolutely. I think we'd all agree with that. You know. <laughs> but also, why can't we have VAR like they have the um, uh, TV judges in rugby union? Where they announce they you can hear the conversation with the ref, they bring the stuff up on the screen so yeah. all the fans can see it and no one will get bored. No one everyone, everyone knows. has an idea of what's going they on. To... It's transparent. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Come to you in a minute, Metal Tim. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, Teresa. I mean, back in, in New Zealand, we watched an awful lot of super rugby live um, and also all black games. And I think from two thousand and fourteen they changed it so that all the officials and the television match official were all mic'd up. So whenever they stopped play and they were reviewing something or there was a decision to be made, everyone on TV and in the crowd could see what was going on, could hear the comments. So you may not agree, but you understand why they're doing it. It didn't slow the game down. If anything, it sped the game up because it stopped the complaining from the other players or whatever. So I completely agree. I just think that's, shocking that they haven't done that yet and I think it goes further than that I think it's a deliberate thing because that would show the bias and that would show the complete nonsense that referees I mean how many games do you watch now and when it comes to a throw on do the linesman put the flag up to indicate which direction before the refs actually given which direction it goes it's pointless having linesmen for games now and it's the same thing well, we we, gave, we managed from the main stand yesterday. I managed to get myself heard. Um, the linesman definitely heard what I was saying. <laughs> I called him out because um, there were a couple of times in the first half when he missed Miller offside. They were they were off, yeah. and he was about two or three yards behind the play. So I made my feelings known, and most linesmen will ignore you. But this one, with his back to us, was going shaking his head <laughs> sideways. 
Oh, come on. It wasn't just me. There was a couple of other guys as well. So it was quite amusing that Linesman was uh, listening to what we were saying and uh, shaking his head in denial for missing an offside, which is which is crazy. Um, OK, so before we get on to the second half, I want to talk. I want to come to you, Mitchell, about this one, because um, there was one other really good chance. In fact, it was, there was more than one other. But I want to talk about this particular chance that uh, Zaha created. He passed the ball across the box. Uh, to the feet of Jordan Ayew in the penalty area. And he, he managed to hit the target, but Martinez got down to his left and saved it. So um, talk, tell us about your thoughts on this one. I mean, it's a joke. Let's not, let's not kill ourselves, right? This is a joke. And anyone who wants to debate why we play him is just accepting failure or mediocrity. And that was the last decade, but you need to come out of this Roy era where... Actually, it matters what you do on the pitch. And again, yesterday, dispossessed the most out of everyone on the pitch. How many actions did he do that was positive? He had one, like, real chance he did actually do correct, where he got it on the right-hand wing. This second half, by the way, where I guarantee you any money in the world, he was pulled into that dressing room and told, what the hell are you doing? Because he didn't make a single tackle, he didn't get near a single player, he didn't do any action right in okay. front of us uh, in the half away. Okay, okay, that's that's your view. Interesting. I knew it would be extreme, and uh, that's interesting, Mitchell. Thank you, Teresa. You're you're shaking your head there. Were you at the match, Mitchell? A hundred percent. And I was on player watch. Five, I was Mitchell, you've had your say for a moment. Yes. Let Teresa speak. He won seventy-five percent of corners. For us, he, he worked really hard. He wasn't just up front, he, he tracked back, and that's why he's in the squad. Patrick Vieira likes his productivity, and so do I. Leave Jordan alone. Okay, I just look at stats. Sorry, okay. they, they right. won't let's, let's, let's hear your views in the chat. Do we think that Jordan Ayew had a good game yesterday or not? So I'm interested in your views. Um, yeah, I mean, listen. You know, he, he he didn't score that goal. I think he's missing the goal. I think if if he if he gets a goal there, then we all feel a lot better, and he feels a lot better about himself. Um, he does work hard though, Mitchell. He works really hard for the side, and I'm a, with Teresa on that one. I'm not the biggest fan now. I'm I, I used to defend him a lot more than I do, and it's frustrating watching him sometimes. And I think uh, once Elise is back, really fit, then we'll we'll he'll get his place back. Final word to you, though, my friend. Okay, I, I I hear what everyone's saying, and like someone in front of me who I've never seen in the stands yesterday, obviously was partial to IU, and I'm not. So we actually had a good fun tete a tete, and he actually agreed with me after the first half because his whole thing was he actually draws fouls and gets loads of fouls. But again, think about it: we don't score from set pieces. We're in the bottom three in the league, so. That's pretty useless. Where do you get your fouls? On the halfway line, where it doesn't do anything. All it does is break up play. But okay. we play a possession football. So why do you want to break up play? At the halfway okay, line, where you don't Mitch, get anything. Thank you, Mitchell. I'll stop you there. Um, uh, Paul, Paul Bristow said he saw a comment from a Villa fan to say that Ayu would be one hell of a player if he could hit a barn door. So I think we'll draw a line under Jordan Ayu just for now um, in that first half. So we go in at one all yesterday, guys. And we definitely had the better of the first half. You know, sometimes if you if you're drawing the game, uh, um, you know, it feels like you you're losing. Sometimes when you're drawing the game, it feels like you're winning. And it's certainly at halftime for me, it felt like we were on on the front foot. Um, you know, so Mitchell, second half, you know, tell us about that and um, and how we started. Just really, really positive. Um, good expected goals, good expected assists. Um, we had possession and we were calm and decorate. I mean, we haven't even seen like 5% of this guy and the Premiership will be licking their lips by the end of the season. This guy is unreal and we haven't even seen it yet. Like Liverpool game, he, he almost assisted to Zaha through and I don't think anyone noticed uh, the one where he ripped the ball and he hit the, the bar where we could have gone 2-1. But again, yesterday, breaks up everything. He started that breakup for the Mateta goal and... Whilst he hasn't really progressed with the ball, which is what he did at Lons, I mean, he is the basis for everything. He allows Eze that freedom to just draw them players in, drop his shoulder, and then bang, we're away. 
down the side for Zaha, or if we had someone who was decent on the right, bang, there's Elise. Okay. Tim, Steve Gerrard said in his post-match that he felt it was fairly square at one all after an hour before the penalty was given. Would you agree with him? I think that's just typical away manager um, waffle. A bit like um, the FA Cup game against Everton, where we won 4-0 and they were all lucky games and everything was good. Um yeah, no, it's just nonsense. Uh, they did hit the crossbar. They also had a couple of chances. So, you know, on an, an, an on another day, it could have been a different thing. But, no, there was one team that dominated that game yesterday. And I think if Stevie Gerrard was, uh, was honest with himself and not on the cameras, he would say that Villa got nothing more than they deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Mitchell? Um, I just forgot as well, we have to talk about Tyrick Mitchell. Like, one-on-one, we were praising him. He was the best in the Premier League last season. But progressively now, the link-up and the patterns of play now and, uh, the like, on that left side, because we've got real footballers on the left, Zaha, Tyrick, Eze on that left, if you look at our playing patterns and the amount of volume of relationships between players that left side is exploding. And that ball from Tyrick, if that was Trent, people would have been drooling and like we've been hearing it for a week. Tyrick yeah. Mitchell, hello. Okay, yep, yeah, that was for the third goal. So let, let's talk about the penalty then, um, because that was where we got, went in front. So I think we've got a graphic, uh, Nigel, haven't we? So this is the penalty handball decision. It was uh, Mark Gahey that got up to, to connect with the corner, I think. And um, it was uh, Lucas Steen who's handballed it. So he's handballed it, and then it goes on to the keeper, and the keeper makes a save. So is this a penalty? Is it handball, guys? Yes, but maybe a bit harsh. Um, but, you know, evens itself out for the lack of the uh, um, goal that Schluppi should have had. So, you know, fair play. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, our result won all. Um, because, you know, we said already, you know, the first the goal in the first half couldn't should have stood. Um, I think that's really harsh. I think if that's against us, we are screaming and saying <laughs> that's never a penalty in a million years, you know. So I think they've got a point there. But we have the we have the balance of the play, we have the possession, as you say, uh, the XG was in our favour and all the rest of it. So um Will's penalty. Should Will be on pens, Teresa? Um, no. Oh. Sorry, disagree. Disagree. Hey, I'll let Teresa speak. I'll come to you, Tim. You, you're saying no, yeah? Yeah. Okay, why'd you say that? You should. Um, Mateta, if he had been on the pitch, put a striker on. Just let one of the strikers do it. Zaha okay. has missed. Missed a couple now, hasn't he? Missed he has missed He's missed two, now. by the way. Yeah, he missed Norwich away and he missed that one. Um, there might be another one going back a f- further in time. Mitchell, should Zaha be yeah, on this? a couple of things on that. Let a striker. Well, Wilf is our striker. He's the top goal scorer for the last 10 years. So yeah. no one's put away more goals than him. 62 in the Premier League. That puts him on par with Pires, Yaya Toure, and let me think. Oh, David Beckham. So that man knows how to score goals. Plus, yesterday's pen was actually an excellent penalty. The save was incredible if you look at the speed and the strength of his hand to stop that. But then composure, goat, goal. Sets yeah. us off, but, we win. But he always puts it down the middle. He we never puts it, right. it in the top us, He put it to the left to keep us right, didn't he? Pens is a, is a lottery and that man has got balls, so he should step up and he should take it. Now, um, Tim, you're, okay, let's come to Tim because you're shaking your head, Tim. You're all you're all missing it completely. Um, you never heard of reverse psychology. The only person that should be taking penalties is Ayu, because the keeper will be <laughs> so much. Please, then I get to gun in. Saying, but no, to my mind, Zaha takes them. I mean, that was a brilliant save yesterday. The Norwich unbelievable. Hang on, the Norwich one. Yeah, fair enough. That was whatever. But the other penalties is taken, including the pre-season ones, pretty rock solid, you know. And he wants it. And to my mind, it shows his evolution or how he's getting better. He wants to take them. He wants to score. He wants. Yeah, and does. all the time he's in that mindset, you let him do it. 
Yeah, and Paul Bristow says in the chat that Wilf has only missed four penalties ever in the whole of his career, and two of those he put in the rebound. So that's not a bad record, is it? That's pretty good. Um, and uh, it was great to see. You're right, Mitchell. You know, it, it was a good penalty. It was a good save. But he retained his composure. And I love the banter with him, you know, because yeah, he, yeah, he, you see that. at the end, when he went yeah. back, he actually shook his hand to sort of say, well done, mate. You know, and he is a top That's goalkeeper, Martinez. he's becoming. Yeah, absolutely. So we're two well up, guys, you know, and uh, things are looking pretty good. Make a few changes. Um, overall, what do we think of the um, Vieira substitutions yesterday, Tim? Come to you first. I think it's just yet another example of how quickly Vieira is improving as a manager and how he is moulding us into an extremely professional and difficult team to play. And, you know, as I said, when I spoke to that Liverpool guy the other day on the radio, he's like, when he said, oh, Palace should have gone for it against Liverpool. No, you're leading the game. You want the points. You don't want to go ahead, try and score a four, and all of a sudden you're 3-2, and then they break and get an equaliser. So, no, I thought the substitutions he made were at the right time. They were the right players for the right seasons. And again, as you said before, the difference in Luca this year, I know he's only coming on as a substitute, but yeah. rock solid now. You look at him, you come on, he's like, before, last season, you're like, oh, God, here we go. But no, rock solid. So, again, it's just one of the other jigsaw pieces of the jigsaw that Vieira is putting in place to project us onto the next level. Okay, we'll come to the defensive substitutions in a minute, but let's just talk through the third goal. Uh, Mitchell, you've you've started to do that already. So, you know, now Edouard is off the pitch. Mateta is on the pitch. Um, The ball is breaking down the left-hand side. It's Mitchell, it's Zaha. Where do we go from there? Oh, it's just, honestly, it felt like it was Barcelona-type football at that stage. You know, the destroyer breaks it up, passes it on, it comes out left, goes to him, you know, and then that little just nonchalant, cheeky flick with the outside of your boot. I mean, that's that only goats do that, right? But then Tyrick still is progressive, he's running. And then I heard, which now makes sense in training, Mateta's been telling him. Give me it at the front bolt, like at the front post. Just whip it in front post. I'm gonna be there. Mm-hmm. And that was what Mitchell said. His thought process was at that point. But the delivery, like on a sixpence, and because Mateta is that aggressive, like you know, sort of uh, brash. I'm gonna get in there. That's why he was there first. The desire, and yeah, bang, corner the corner flag business. So <laughs> I, it was just beautiful all the way around. It was everything I I think Vieira teaches them in training, Brilliant. executed at a hundred percent. Yeah, and first let class. me just say, down the the left side because that's the players who can do it. It stops on the right because of one player. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come. Well, let's leave that. We've done that already. But you're right. Great analysis of the, the left-hand side and the combination. And do you know what? I was thinking, you've, we've said already about, you, you said, if that's Trent, that's eulogise. If that's Cancelo and Haaland, it's in the middle. Yeah. Everyone's eulogising forever, aren't they? But that both the cross and the execution of finish were absolutely top draw. 3-1, sort of game over. Still quite a lot of time to play. Um, you know, they did come at us a little bit, um, did Villa towards the end of the game, but a 3 1. Um, Vieira then brings it on his defensive substitutes. Um, so you know, he brings off on Hughes and he brings on Luka Milivojevic. And you think, oh, the Kura's going to go off again, but no, he brings off attacking players. And how many defensive players did we have on for the last <laughs> 10 minutes? About eight or something, didn't we? Which isn't bad, I suppose, if you're defending the 3 1 lead. It's I mean, Hughes was just like prime Messi without a finish yesterday. He just cut himself in the box and like just found like chances. That it was just, I mean, we were just floating at that stage. If I remember us in the stands, it was just party football. It was, and you know, you know, in fact, so to, to another player, a forward player, um, he's probably four one, isn't it? But he, he's he's, take, he's got in the right position, but he just didn't have the uh, the final execution. Uh, but you're right. He, he was great, Stephen Earls. Thank you. We agree with you there. And I think everyone played their part. Um, even Jordan I, who played his part yesterday, 
uh, and Mitchell, you are outvoted on that one, my friend. So, um, good analysis, good three points, everyone. Uh, I said after the Liverpool point at Anfield, it's only a good point if we beat the Villa, and we managed to do that with, um, yeah, with some degree of comfort in the end. Uh, it's nice to win by more than one goal, so you're not, you know, chewing your fingernails too much during that five minutes of stoppage time that's added on at the end of the game. Okay, here are the final stats. Um, so, fairly even on possession. Felt like we had a bit more than 51%, but there we yeah, go. I felt that. Yeah, shots on target. Um, nine to us, five to them. Shots off target, fairly equal. Um, we have four corners. Um, passes completed, just a few more. We shaded it, didn't we, really, in that those areas? And... Um, yeah, so so fairly even, I think, on the stats. And that's what you'd expect with a club like Aston Villa coming to Palace. But if we went there, we'd think the same. Yeah, they're a team that we expect to be around about us at the end of the Premier League campaign, don't we, Villa? Um, they're the kind of club that we would hope to finish above. But if they finished above us, you know, that might be just one of those things. Um, here's the league table. We're ninth in the Premier League. I, I often say don't look at the league table until 10 games in, but... You know, when you're doing okay, it's not so bad. But I don't like to see who's in fifth position. Get rid of that, Nigel, off the screen. That's horrible. Don't want to see. Then we'll look at Brighton being above us in the Premier League table. Let's not put it up again until we're above them. Um, so we shall see. So, um, Patrick Vieira, um, I'm really pleased, delighted. We had a really good performance today. We remained calm, determined and competed well. Um, Teresa, um, are you keeping an eye on the chat? Anything in the chat that we should be talking about? Any comments from anyone you want to draw attention yeah, to? Um, it was brought up. I'm just trying to find it. Um, I think it was Paul Holden. Um, question of the panel. <clears throat> in our opening game, the 8pm Friday attendance was 25,000. But yesterday it was only 22,000. Do you think it was down to the train strikes or the um, ticketing difficulties that people might have been having. That was asked to the panel. Okay, so uh, who wants to take it first then? Who wants to give a response to that? Why was the attendance 3,000 down on the opening day? I must admit, I think it was the trains. Yeah, train strikes played a part, didn't they? I know of people that didn't go yesterday because they couldn't get there. Um, people from the Could Midlands. Be holidays as well. Like yeah. a few of yeah. my mates have missed it because they're on summer holidays with their kids. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, maybe it could be that. And all this, all this stuff about not being able to transfer your ticket. Um, the fact is, you can do it. Yeah. Um, mean that some people don't like to risk it, um, and they they didn't want to. Um, you know, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? Really, uh, if uh, if you gave your ticket to someone that couldn't get in. Fergus, my mate Fergus, says summer holidays, train strikes, and uh, incompetent ticketing system. Um, certainly I had people around me that got in late to the game because they had to queue up and get paper tickets or e-tickets printed because their season ticket wasn't working yesterday, which is crazy second game of the season. Worked okay for the Arsenal game, but didn't work yesterday. So they had to queue up at the ticket office, get another ticket so they could get in, miss the first 10 minutes, miss the first two goals. So um, I know people that did that yesterday. So um, great shame, really. Another okay. question being asked yep. in the chat, Stephen Isles, um, did you know about Plange and O'Brien going to Belgium on loan? Yeah, yeah only because Tom Tom Samuel told me in in a in a, in a group chat. But uh, yeah, it looks like those two players are going out to Belgium on loan in uh, the second division in Belgium. I think it is, and I think John Texter has a stake in that club. So there's a link there. But look, if they're going to play some football. Uh, at a higher level than they would do in our under-21s, then that's good for their development. So that's the sort of brings me on nicely, really, um, Teresa. Thank you for just an update on our on our loan players. So we're going to try and do this most weeks. Um, Malachi Balatang, he started for Scottish Championship Club Queen's Park against our Broth, and he stayed on the pitch for the entire match. Uh, was booked, though. Um, Jez Ragsaki, he started yes. for Charlton against Cambridge United. He was subbed off on the 62nd minute. Um, Scott Banks, we've already mentioned, um, subbed off at Hartlepool but scored their opening goal. Uh, and Remy Matthews, he played for uh, St. Johnson against Aberdeen in the Scottish Premiership and conceded just a single goal in their 1-0 defeat. 
And then Reese Hannum, he yeah, uh, is at Bromley, and he scored the oh. only goal of the game in a 1-0 win, and was subbed off, um, and was also booked. So he had an eventful afternoon. It's good to keep in touch and see what these lads are doing at other clubs. It's all part of their development as Crystal Palace players, of course. So, um, I don't know if you know, but we the women play today. Um, Crystal Palace women. Um, do we know how they got on, guys? I think they uh, won. 1-0, wasn't it? They did. They won 1-0. And they won against the um, <clears throat> City Lionesses, I think they're called. Or something like that. I've got it here somewhere. Uh, Crystal Palace women scored the only goal of the match to win their opening day fixture against London City Lionesses. Presumably that's Millwall, is it? <clears throat> and this is them yeah. in the dressing room. Check, check that out. <clears throat> um, took a super strike from Chloe Arthur. It was followed up by Isabella Sibley to put the ball in the net. Full-time, 1-0 to the Palace. So, well done Whoop. to you girls for your opening day win. Fourth in the table. Fourth in the table. And then um, the under-21s, they play Fulham on Friday afternoon. They were away. They were 2-0 down at half-time. And then I tuned in to watch the second half, and they drew two all. And yeah. could have won it. So uh, they, when you think that those players, that, you know, this is a, this is a squad now without the likes of JRS <coughs> and Scott Banks and others, and uh, yeah. some great strength in depth there for, for great the start to the season. Absolutely. And then the under 18s they beat Villa four 0 as well, apparently over the weekend. So all in all, very good day for Crystal Palace Football Club at all levels um, around the club. Um, okay, Nigel. I don't suppose Kevin Moore's around, is he? Um, do we know? Are you able to tell us? He's producer guy, Nigel. Hi, unfortunately, Kevin has dropped off. Okay, well, look, well, Nigel, you stay with us. Connection problems. You stay with us, Nigel, because you know about this. You live up in the northeast of England, yeah, and uh. You've been involved a little bit from a palace end on this uh, charity game. So tell us about it. What's happening? Well, it's next um, Sunday afternoon. We've got the uh, Hartlepool United fans versus Crystal Palace fans charity match. It's for the Gemma Lee, who we all know was the manager's wife. And we had the Just Given page for her. And Crystal Palace fans donated over, <clears throat> I believe, it was sixty thousand pound in about forty-eight hours. Um, the weekend of the uh, FA Cup match, and um, Kevin has kept in touch with some Palace fans. Um, he quite often um, posts on Grant's page, so you, you do see him on there. Um, I think he goes under the name of. Kevin HUFC Moore. So if you see him on social media, give him a hi. But next weekend, we've got the match and it's going to take place at um, it's a sports arena called Greyfields and it's um, just on the edge of Hartlepool and the match is kicking off at 3pm and I say if anybody fancies a weekend in the north Go to the city match on the weekend, and sort of pop, pop up to the uh, Hartlepool for the Sunday. It is a bank holiday weekend, so not a lot else to do, is there? <laughs> and if you're going, that's the postcode you need to put in your sat. Um, TS twenty four eight PJ. I say I'll be going. Uh, my lady wife's coming with me. Um, I've got a couple of um, Palace memorabilia um, that I'm going to take and donate as um, prizes for the raffle. And I believe the club have donated uh, quite a few pa uh, prizes as well for the raffle. Um, but there will be a Just Giving page. Well, it's the same Just Giving page um, that we had previously. So um, I'll put that on the banner at the bottom in a minute. Okay, mate. Um, people, people can centre that. Okay, Nigel, thanks very much for popping on to uh, tell us about that. So brilliant You're stuff, welcome. matey. Thank you. Um, and that's of course um, as a, because they we played Hartlepool in the FA Cup last year, fourth round at Sellers Park, if you remember it. 
before the game, it was a, you know, Palace, I think, said they were going to give a thousand pounds to this. The club said they were going to give a thousand pounds. They put it on social media. And before we knew it, it snowballed into this massive wave of giving to Gemma Lee for a treatment. Um, Sadie Graham Lee's uh, left the club, I think, by mutual consent. They weren't doing very well. Um, <laughs> but the fans are still behind him and his, his wife's treatment, which is lovely. And um, let's hope that uh, the charity match is a fun occasion for everyone and that uh, they raise a lot of money towards the, the treatment. So uh, well done to everyone involved in that. Teresa, you had your hand up. Were you about to say yeah, something? I was just about to say um, Palace fans are actually getting really good positive press at the moment, aren't we? We've mm. got um, everything that was done with Hartlepool. And I don't know if you guys saw the story about, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, uh, Parthenikos or their football club. Parthenikos? Parthenikos. Parthenikos. What, the Greek team? <laughs> oh, is it Greek? Yeah. That the um, uh, Palace fans, loads of Palace fans have bought um, season tickets and caught, kept it out of going um, bankrupt. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Did see that. Yeah. Excellent. There we go. So if you can't get to next week's match and you can donate, there's the Just Giving page. Uh, justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash warrior gl365 there's the um there's the address there for you good stuff okay so thanks nigel thanks to everyone involved in that charity game next week um so we've um this this week we've had the second uh episode of football dreams uh the academy um last week i asked the panel what they thought they threw me under the proverbial bus because none of them watched it. But but you guys are different. You've yeah. you've seen it. So um, what, what are your thoughts? Let's come to Teresa first. Ladies first. Um, oh, I, I'm literally almost in bits every week watching it. I so want all of them to get signed. But yeah. this time it was Billy. There he is. Oh, bless him. Um, for those of you that didn't see him, he was lucky enough to get a contract. And he actually, his father and him were both Palace fans. His father unfortunately died. And I was literally in bits watching it. I was just like, so delighted he got a contract. Mitchell. Yeah, it's true. That story, I really, really like followed that one. And like the story he gave of his dad as well was like really endearing where he got a trial but he just didn't, didn't turn, turn up. up. Uh, and his son was like, he just didn't turn up. Uh, and he was like, well, you know, so I'm really proud that I have. And it's just heart, like, it's it's a really heartwarming thing to watch, but it's really tough because you see, like, how their dreams are, like, just in shattered. the hands of someone else and some are shattered and some make it through. And it's just like, wow, that pressure at that age. Yeah, and, and it was Toby, wasn't it, that didn't get a deal um, mm. on the Under-16 show on uh, Thursday. He went off to Aldershot in the end. Mm. So he's still playing in the academy, but not at the same oh, kind of level. You know, even look at the players in our first team. You know, look at Eze. He had a lot of setbacks, and now we're about to watch the explosion of um, a superstar this year, you know. So it just shows that even when they do get the knockbacks, you know, they can still come through and be, you know, cream of the crop. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Tim, did you watch it? Yeah, I did. Um, I think it, the pleasing thing for me was, and again, you know, a cynic would say, oh, it's for TV. But the thing that was nice to see was that the academy staff, you can obviously see how much they do actually care about the boys as well. And it's not just money making or it's not just um cutthroat for cutthroat sake and the fact that they do a lot of stuff for the boys that don't get contracts it's not just a case of no see ya it's obviously they put the time in for those guard those players and and it's what life is like you know you don't always get what you want you don't always get your first dream um i think it's a good show i think it's good i think it's good to see yeah good middle um yeah that just reminded me as you were saying that I think I swear last season I read something about we are the first club to have installed an aftercare program for players. Mm. Um, so the ones that do fail or the ones that after they retire, they kind of 
get lost and fall into you know gambling and, and drink and i think we have an official aftercare program that is leading the way for you know other big clubs and stuff like that in terms of mental health and caring about the players that either haven't made it or you know struggling and blah 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 so again just another another thing in our in our cap about we are not a money-making machine we are a community club that are doing it the right way we're investing in a whole of the youth and the talent in south london where we know i think it's something like i don't know what the percentage was 27 percent of premiership players come from our area um we're just the best club to be. Let's get it right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't argue with the fact that the Category 1 Academy is a, is a feather in our cap. Um, there are too many good players that have from South London that have gone to the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's um, in, in recent years because our academy hadn't been up to scratch. Now it is. So the future generation should come through the Palace Academy, the best players in South London. And um, I think we're seeing it on the on the documentary and it is, for me, it's great viewing. You know, it's a bit of a tearjerker at times when they don't quite make it. Um, how supportive yeah. the parents are. They have to almost give up everything else, don't they, to to make sure that their their son, in this case, is um, is uh, given everything to, to make the grade as a professional footballer. Yeah, good stuff. We'll return to that, I'm sure, in future shows as well. So, uh, so really good. Um, someone's put in the chat, are we going to talk about Zaha? You know, is he going to stay? Is we going to be, a, you know... Hopefully, we're going to renew his contract. Um, we haven't planned to do that tonight, but we can have a quick word about it, of course. Um, you know, there's always speculation about Will. If I come to you in a minute, Tim, there's always speculation about Will wanting away in a window. Um, I, I think we've had a. Was there a. Nigel, have you got a quote there from Wilf? Did I see earlier that we didn't use before? Or was that from Eze? There was a, there was a Wilf one as well, if you could have a look for that, Nigel. Um, so, Teresa, I'll come to you in a minute. I'll come to Tim first. For me. Yeah, I, I, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Wilf go, but the performances he's putting in now, I'd say probably the best he's played for. But I think he's playing now the best as a team player, not just him as an individual that we've ever seen. And if you look at the way he's playing on the pitch, the way he's interacting with the team, which is something else I want to take on later. But even the comments when he's interviewed about how much this team can do, how well they're playing, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he's finally at a Palace team, a team of his heart, playing the football he's been wanting to play for years but hasn't been yeah. able to, under a manager who he respects and he knows respects him, with players who are probably of his technical ability why would he go and become a bench warmer at another club? Yeah. So I, I don't think he'll go. I, I think no. he'll stay. Okay, Tim, thank you. Teresa? Uh, Patrick Vieira was quoted yesterday as saying, uh, Wilf has shown no inclination to want to leave the club at all. Yes. And to be quite yes. honest, I think if anyone goes, it will be Eze that will be approached before Wilf. Interesting. Um Mark Callahan's just said, "If I think Wilf can see this is the first time in a few seasons he's surrounded by some mm. real talent, uh, and um, or sign a new deal then and stop the rumours." <laughs> Andrew Adams says, "Well, you know, I'm sure that the the Diggy and the, the people behind the scenes, uh, and, and Steve Parrish and, and Patrick Vieira will be having the right words in Wilf's ear, and we don't get to hear anything." Like above tasty jerk, just do it now. Basically. <laughs> okay. Um, I hope you're wrong, um, Daniel. I get the impression these performances are a farewell gesture. Um, nah, so I hope are. that's not the case, of course. Anyway, okay, so um let's we've got a few minutes left. Um this Tuesday we go to Oxford United in the Carabao Cup, the League Cup. Um when the draw was made, I thought what a great tie. Um, because it's a new ground for me. I don't think I've been there to watch Palace. I went to the old ground, but not the new one, because Sam Stadium. And it's always good to stick a new ground off. And it's always good to play uh, a team from a lower league. Um, I said last week that we've been to the semi-final four times. 
and we've lost four times. Um, I said last week that we have been knocked out in the second round in the last three seasons. So it'd be good to go one better this year. But I'm really interested in what the team is going to be. We've talked already this evening about the strength and depth of our squad, uh, the ability we've got um, in cover. So I'll be interested in the panel's views on who's going to start against Oxford. And um, feel free to join in in the chat. Who's going to start in goal, first of all? Um, pretty easy one, this, I think. Um, yeah, so who's going to start in goal, Mitchell? It's definitely got to be Sam, isn't it? I mean, there's no, I, th- I think that's an absolute given. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all agree on that one. It's probably yeah, the only thing we're going to agree on with this. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Okay. So what about the back four? Who's going to play right back and who's going to play left back? So I think Klein goes in there uh, only because Wardy played this week in the league. So I think he'll probably just chuck Klein in there, right? Um, I mean, I guess, hang on, we should really decide. Are we? Is it going to be a 4-3-3 we're going to play? 4-4-2. I don't know. Oh, well, me. I mean, if, if we're doing it as a collective, I reckon we play a 4 3 3 at Oxford. Okay. Um, and I'll yeah, go I'll Klein. Four, three, three down. Yep. Okay. Klein, Richards, Balmer, um, Adam Romola's gone to Coventry, hasn't he, now? So, all right, Tyrick, I'll put in there, I guess, for my back four. So, who else did you say centre back? Um, Richards. Yeah, I've got him. And Kofi Balmer. Oh, right. Interesting. Okay. Is Tompkins injured? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think Oxford is purely a luxury game. So it's like I, the way I look at it, I think he's going to play all of the kind of side players, like the ones yeah. they got to play in Australia and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Okay. All right. So we, we still got back four. Um Kleine, and I agree, I don't think we've got a natural cover at left-back. I think Mitchell is going to have to play there. Um, Richards and potentially James Tonkins, I think, for me, if he's fit. Um, someone in the chat might tell us whether he's injured. Stephen Arles says Still he's injured, injured, so that's him out. Um, so does Joe. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who else he plays. If he has to play one of the two centre-backs, I think he plays... Not sure. I'd say gay. Play gay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about midfield, Teresa? Who's going to play in the midfield? Oh, um, don't know. Yeah, it's quite an easy one. I come to Tim. Tim, who's going to play in the midfield? No, I would, I would put on. No, in reality, um, I would put. I want to put on some of our youth players. I agree with some of the chat. Go for some of our youth. I want a mix of experience and youth in midfield. So you don't think Milivojevic and Hughes yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Luca, Hughes. Yeah. Um, what about Riedeveld? Yeah, he'll play. Gyro? Yeah, why not? Give him a Okay, so my midfield would be Milivojevic, Hughes and Riedeveld, I think. Um, what about top Tim? <coughs> I'll give Elise a start. He's come on, he's come on for a couple of um, subs performances. Yeah, um, I think he'll get he needs games. We need to get him back into it. But um, it's still a cup game. You know, yes, it's only the League Cup. It's the second round. But then it becomes a third round. And football's all about momentum. It's all about um, confidence. And the more games you win, whatever games they are, the more confidence you have. The more confidence you have, the more you play like we did against Villa yesterday. So, yeah, definitely some of the younger ones, some of the players that haven't played that much, but still a strong team. Are still, And you've still got supporters paying money and going to these games to watch their team. And they want to see their team win. So, Absolutely. I still a strong team out. Yeah, it's supposed to be 20 quid. There's yeah. part of me that says, put Edward up, start Edward up front. Yeah, definitely. scoring a goal, open that cork. It Bowie. I was about to say, Malcolm will play. Yeah, Malcolm is is the guy why I hate Ayu, right? Because Elise, <laughs> is, is, Elise is that player who should play where Ayu is, and Malcolm is the backup. And in Australia, he tore United mm-hmm. to bits. Malassia and Fred, he left them for dead. This kid yeah, at 18 years old is fearless, and his feet are like joke. The under-21s friendly he played against Brighton, I'm telling every Palace fan now, go watch that game. 
he ripped them to shreds. He did stuff in that box I ain't never seen. It wasn't a friendly. That was a league game. Oh, was it a league game? Oh, well, he tore them. Well, so I'll, I'll rephrase that. Uh, he ripped them apart. Yeah, you can't um, say what you're thinking. Um, yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, my only concern about Ibui and um, and Elise starting on the same side, they're both playing the same position. So it'd be interesting to see whether he plays Michael Elise in a central role, maybe, you know, the false nine. You know, Kimani like Gordon, maybe give him a little step up. Rob Street, maybe give him a step up. Um, you know, it's Oxford. That's the type of time we can give these kids minutes that matter. Yeah. I must confess, I've written this down here. It's on my bit of paper, Paul Holden. Uh, play Mateta and Edward up front together. Test that out. I like that. I like that yeah, very much indeed. That's not a bad plan, really. So, to give him know, a bit of confidence, really. For I think we've got more strength in depth. It's interesting when you do this exercise. We've got more strength in depth in the midfield and up top than we have at the back. Yeah. Um, you know, don't Which get one We lost Levi Colwell to Brighton. Yeah. That would have been yeah. a superstar signing. Yeah, I, I could, you know, I'm looking at this. I'm thinking actually we need another defender. We need someone else that can can play in the first team. They might not be first choice, but someone else that can come in and play uh, in a defensive role. So yeah, so it'd be really interesting to see what team starts at Oxford on Tuesday night and um, on the show next week. We'll we'll talk about that game as well as the City game, which is next weekend. So let's look at predictions. Uh, we've got two games to predict. Um, I don't know. One of the panels said three-one yesterday. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Nigel might be able to remind me who it, who it was. Um, but someone said three-one. I said two-nil. So I got the, the margin <laughs> right. I got the score wrong. Um, and so Oxford United. Uh, first of all, let's come to you, Tim. First, what's the score going to be against Oxford? Three-nil. Three-nil. Okay, Teresa. Four-one. Four-one. Mitchell. Um, yeah, uh, five nil, five nil. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go for a five one. Okay. Go for Sorry, I'm just I was laughing my head off there for a minute. So, Andrew Adams has said Mill is having a memory issue tonight, but can he just quickly type what he means by that? <laughs> Memories, I think it's because you keep holding your head, and maybe it's because we start saying, <laughs> you know, had a good game. Yeah, oh, look, I've got a headache oh, no. too many times <laughs> in the night that word. <laughs> So, yeah, lots of 2-0 uh, Oxford, someone said. 2-0, uh, 3-0 to Oxford, George has said. <clears throat> Mark Callaghan, 2-0. Paul Holden, 6-1 to Palace. Yes, Paul. 2-0 win for Oxford. Uh, a, and a loss against Man City. Oh, 2-0 win for us against Oxford. Oh, right. Not 2-0 win for <laughs> Oxford. Um, yeah, so a lot of people are saying um, that we're going to... Well, I don't think anyone said that we're going to lose to Oxford. be interesting to see what happens, of course. So panelists said 3-0, 4-1, 5-0 and 5-1. Uh, what about against Manchester City at the Etihad? We have a brilliant recent record at the Etihad. We won there last season. We drew two all the year before that. We won 3-2 the year before that. My life, you know, they'll be quaking in their boots looking at next fixture. You know, they, yeah, haven't, exactly. they haven't managed to win today. They look at the next fixture. Oh, it's Crystal Palace. Oh, my life. So what's the result going to be at the Etihad next weekend? Teresa, you are at first. Palace to win 2-1. <laughs> yes, Teresa. 2-1. I'm going win. Two. I'm doing that. You're going 2-1 as well? Only Tim. if Ayu is not on the pitch. <sighs> now, caveats are not allowed, mate, on this show. No, they have they? to be. If Elise played, <laughs> we win. Tim, what's the score going to be at the Etihad, matey? Well, I think Ayu's going to start in goal next week. Um... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to go 3-1 City. 3-1 City, okay. I'm it would be no all. disgrace if that happened, by the way. Yeah. It all depends on where we play. But listen, you know, we, we, we can prove we can play against the big clubs away from home. We did it last weekend on Monday night against Liverpool. Um, I'm going for a one-all draw. Be very happy with a point up there. Um, I'll be very happy to get there because there's more disruption on the trains next Saturday. So I'm hoping to make it on the train. <laughs> we shall see. Okay. Um, an hour goes quickly in your company, guys. Always does. Always a pleasure. Um, we are back next Sunday evening at 8 p.m. when I hope Mr. Philpot is back from his holidays. 
Um, we haven't selected the lineup for next week. It's a bit like that on this show at the moment. You know, it's uh, from one week to the next. But I want to thank Tim, Mitchell, and Teresa for your contributions tonight, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and watching the Red and Blue Review. And we'll see you again next time. Andrew, Andrew Adams, you're worse no. than my mate. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.